Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let me invite you to turn to Luke 1 once again. It's on page 856 of those blue Bibles, or the text that I'll be reading for us today is printed in your bulletins as well. This morning, I'm going to read for us uh, Zechariah's song, Zechariah's prophetic song, which is commonly called the Benedictus from the very first word of the text, uh, blessed or blessed, uh, Benedictus is that in Latin, and that's what we usually call this text. Uh, just as a reminder, preceding what I'm going to read for us here in the verses that are before us is the record immediately of the birth of John the Baptist uh, to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, but also by way of reminder when the announcement had been made to Zechariah, you will recall that because of his doubt, his uncertainty about the word that had been spoken to him, he was made mute until the time of this birth. He was unable to speak until this particular time when we read just above what I'm reading today that the Lord opened his mouth and the Lord loosed his tongue. Now, in our small little Christmas series that we've gone through over the past couple of weeks, what we have seen so far is that Christmas is a time, it is a season that is particularly appropriate for greeting. Uh, last week, we saw that Christmas is a time to push back fear, and this week, we'll see that the advent of the Lord into this world is a time for visitation. Now let us hear the word of God through the employed, through the loosened tongue of Zechariah, the word. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Thus far, the word of God. Great God in heaven, we thank you for this song. We thank you for redemption's happy dawn and the fact that we can sing about it together and that we can hear about it together and that it has, by your grace, 
risen upon us with healing in its wings. We pray now then that you'd help us as we consider this word to be refreshed in the good news of the gospel that has come as Jesus came into this world, and we pray in his name. Amen. So it is a time for visiting. It is a time for lots of comings and goings, a time for friends and family uh, to come calling to us or for us to go calling upon them. And uh, in our household in particular, is this, is this me with the microphone buzzing? It's me? What would you like me to do? <laughs> Try putting it on my belt? On my lapel. <laughs> All right, we'll give that a shot. That sounds good. We'll, get, we'll give that a shot. All right, so in our household, uh, the way it's worked out over the past couple of days is that we have three extra adults in the home right now. We have two extra children in the home, and we have one extra dog in the home. God bless him. Uh, but it's a, it's a season for visitation, and it is appropriately a season for visitation because, in fact, that has always been the way with Christmas. It's been that way since the very first Christmas. We saw it last week when I read many of the passages from Luke regarding the angelic visitations that he records there. I didn't read for us from Matthew, although we could have read that as well, and saw the angelic visit to Joseph, and then in Luke we saw the angelic visit to Zechariah, to Mary, and then to the shepherds as well. And of course, we not only saw those visits, but even if we go back a little bit before that, we saw that after the angelic visit that takes place to Mary, she immediately goes to visit Elizabeth and greet her in her households, and then the shepherds visit after they have had the angelic visitation. And then, of course, the Magi come and visit in light of the season as well. This is all completely fitting and right and proper because that's what Christmas is. Christmas is a visit. It is a visit from God Almighty, and as we think about it now, Christmas is for us a remembrance and a celebration of that very visit. And Zechariah started his prophetic song with exactly this concept, with exactly these ideas as they're recorded for us. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited. He has come to see and be with his people. And then as you continue, as we continue through the song itself, we go down to 78, as the hymn closes, we see it taken up once again, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Christmas is the celebration of the visit to earth of the eternal Son of God who has become our incarnate Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Today, what we're going to consider as we look at this song and think about this is the expected visit the merciful visit, and the coming visit. Okay, so we'll look at each one of those, the expected, the merciful, and the coming visit. One of the uh, Advent hymns that we sing, it's usually one that we sing as soon as we start 
uh, the Christmas season, and this year was no exception. We'll sing it again at uh, the close of the worship service next week. But I know that it's one of your favorites. Many of you have told me that, and it's one of mine uh, as well. But the hymn is, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. The visit of God, the visit of this messianic king into the world was, in fact, long expected. The details of the visit itself were unclear to people, but the expectation was there around this time. The messianic expectation of the people of God was high. And to take but one example, um, and this will be reflected on next week in the sermon, think of Simeon. Simeon, who was in Jerusalem and who was devout and was there in particular waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. He was one who was expecting the coming of the Messiah. And the expectation of the people is a justified expectation that they have for it had been foretold in the prophetic word that had been given to Israel over the millennia, and the coming visit had been foreshadowed throughout the history of Israel in all of the redemptive acts that God had done. In fact, it is not too much for us to say that all of the Old Testament that we have, that all of the acts of God that take place in the Old Testament are in one sense designed to prepare not only Israel, but actually all of humanity for this visit. This is an important visit, and an important visitor is come into the world, and so the people of God are to be ready for this moment and this visit. Now, the idea of a divine visit, that idea in and of itself was cause for the people of God of bewilderment, of wonder, of somewhat astonishment that God would be so concerned with people, with us, with beings like us, that he would come down to visit. Let me capture that, and what I've tried to do, I'm going to refer over the next few minutes to a number of texts in the Old Testament, I've tried to put them in your bulletin so that they would be part of our consciousness about how this developed in the life of Israel and so that it would be easier for us at this very moment to look at some of these. So look at Psalm 8, uh, which we used as the call to worship this morning. Verse 4, uh, which is a well-known verse to us and, and, and a verse somewhat of astonishment that God would care for us. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Now, that word that's translated there, care, is the word that forms the basis, the, the, the connecting theme of our topic today. The word there for care is the word for visit. What is, what is the Son of Man? What are we that you would come and take time to visit us? When someone of high rank or high estate visits you, you consider it, generally speaking, to be an honor, and you go, why? Why? Why would you come into my place? And so that word care is the visitation that God has, and it's amazing in and of itself. But a visit communicates the kind of care and concern 
that while surprising to us is nevertheless there. The psalmist sings of how extraordinary and how marvelous it is that God should take notice of us, that kind of notice of us that he would visit us. It is almost unthinkable that the God of heaven and earth who created all things, who rules in all vastness over all the universe, would care for you, would care for us personally. And yet that's what the wonder is celebrated in this particular psalm that we read as our call to worship. Let me highlight three places in the Old Testament that foreshadow and foretell of the visit, and they form kind of the background of the thoughts that Zechariah is expressing in the song which he has sung. These, these are the kind of things that helped him to understand what he had heard from the angel, what he was seeing, and what he was now experiencing in the birth of his son in the news that no doubt Elizabeth had told him when Mary had visited and what had taken place during that particular time. So look in the first place, these three passages, look at the front of your bulletin for a moment. I put the first of these on the front of your bulletin, Genesis 21, 1 through 2. The old story, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. We could go back further, of course, in the Bible to see this theme started, but here in the seminal story of Israel's conception, and I use those words intentionally because it reflects the idea and the themes that are developed here. In this seminal story, the idea of the visit of God and a resulting miraculous birth of a child of the covenant is embedded. It's right there in the very beginning of the creation of Israel, the genetic code of redemption that leads directly, directly spiritually speaking, directly in the type of event that it is to where Zechariah is and Elizabeth are and Mary and Joseph. It's written, the story is written thousands of years in event before it ever took place. If you took these words and just substituted for them Zechariah and Elizabeth instead of Sarah and Abraham, you would understand exactly what is taking place here and you would recognize this. And this is what Zechariah recognizes in his song. What he's recognizing is that from the very beginning, from Abraham and even further back, but from Abraham, this story has been the story of the nation. And it's a long, continuous line whereby God has been doing this kind of thing in Zechariah and Elizabeth, but Zechariah finds himself at the end of the line, the place where it's all been heading. It's all been coming to this point. He is the last of those who will, he and his son, the son being the last of those who will foreshadow the coming of the covenant son. He is the last of those who will foreshadow the coming of light into the world. 
And so when Zechariah realizes this, when he realizes that, wait, this is all connected, the story that is happening to us is the story that happened to Sarah and Abraham long ago, and the story that even in a more miraculous way is taking place with Mary and Joseph at the same time that it is taking place with them. Second point of reference in the Old Testament is actually the Old Testament reading that we had this morning and the story of redemption that is the Exodus. The Exodus, and it's been years now since we were in the end of Genesis where uh, I preached on this passage about Joseph and an incredible ending to the book of Genesis that ends with Joseph in a coffin, embalmed and entombed, and yet it ends with a note of expectation, of saying, listen, people of God, and this is Joseph speaking, to say, remember that God has made a promise that in years to come, God will visit you. Same word, same idea that is contained here. He will visit you and bring you up out of this land that he swore to give to Abraham. And then 400 years later, we see exactly that taking place. It's hard to see in the English version, but verse 16 of the passage in Exodus 3 uh, that was read for us, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Observed is visited. I have visited And when God visits his people, whom he sees to be in distress and in despair and under the persecution and subjugation of the enemies who are around them, God visits and God responds to his people and to the promises that he has made with them. I have visited you. And the result of the visitation of God in the Exodus is the new birth of the people of God, the coming out of Egypt, the coming through the water, led by the one who was the miraculously saved and delivered Moses as an infant child. And it goes so far, of course, within the Exodus account to refer to Israel as God's what? God's firstborn. God's firstborn is being delivered here. God's firstborn is being taken out of captivity. God's firstborn is being redeemed. And this, too, this language that is embedded in Zechariah's song, where he's now applying this to what is taking place to him, he's taking the story of the Exodus and saying, that's what God is doing. That's what God is doing here. He is delivering us from the hand of our enemies, redeeming us, purchasing us out of our slavery in order that, and we looked at this last week, that we might be free to go and serve the Lord, to worship the Lord in fear and in trembling and holiness, in reverence, but without fear itself, that is to say, without fear of destruction and judgment. The final Old Testament passage that I want to point out to us is also on the front of your bulletin, this prophetic word that is spoken by Malachi in chapter 4, verse 2, but for you who fear my name... The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. 
the end of Malachi, which of course is placed at the end of the Old Testament, captures the expectation of the whole. The end of Malachi, the last prophetic word that we get as the Old Testament closes, as the voice of God closes off for 400 years like it did earlier, is wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for what? What should we wait for? Well, what we should wait for is the visit, the sunrise from on high. That's what Zechariah picks up when he says, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high in verse 78. One particular note, did you watch the sunrise this morning? I don't know if you did, maybe uh, some other morning. Where's the sun typically speaking when it rises? I suspect one would describe the rising of the sun as low. The sun rises low and goes high, but a different sunrise is being described here. A sunrise from on high. Something different is taking place. The light is coming from on high into the darkness and leading us into the way of light. The visit is expected. We could look at a hundred other passages, but these are the ones that are in the background of Zechariah's mind and in the forefront of the way he writes his song. He writes his song using that language because the visit is expected, and the visit is a merciful visit. Zechariah is, of course, prophesying after the birth of his son, John, John the Baptist, and before Jesus is born. But the promise of God, the Word of God, the way you can speak prophetically when you are inspired by the Holy Spirit to record words like this, you can be so confident of these things that God is doing because you've now seen the line and seen where it is going that you can speak in the past tense. You can speak with full conviction. Jesus hasn't even been born. And Zechariah can use the words, for he has visited and redeemed his people. How sure is it? How sure is it, Zechariah, that all of these things will take place? I can speak in the past tense. That's how sure it is that these things will take place. Now, Zechariah is fully aware that Jesus, Mary's son, has not been born yet. And then down in verse 78, he can speak in the future tense, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. So while this visit was expected, and while it is now and yet is to come as well, as Zechariah writes here, it does beg a question, which is the question, why are you here? What's the purpose of your visit? Why, why have you come down to earth? And, and the importance of this question was kind of seen in what we were looking at last week. The reason that that's such a pertinent question is because when humanity, in our current state, when we are confronted by divinity, whether that be God himself or whether that be the prophetic word of God or whether it be an angelic visitor, we're undone. We're undone. We're wondering when in the presence of otherworldliness are we about to be destroyed, consumed by the fire and the brightness of God's holiness. And in the Old Testament, the visits of God 
in event when they actually took place, the visits of God, were sometimes in kindness. They were good visits. They meant to bring blessing to people. But at other times, the visits of God were in judgment. And we recognize that phraseology when God says, when I visit you, I will visit your iniquities upon you. That's the same idea that's right there. When I visit you, I will visit your iniquities. And so, and so you have to ask about this expected visit because in the Old Testament, you seem to have expectation of both things. You seem to have expectation there that is an expectation that the visit will come and will bring judgment on some and deliverance for others. It's kind of a, a, a question arises that arises in a Christmas carol regarding the spirits that come to Ebenezer. Ebenezer wants to know, spirits, are you for my welfare? Do you bring good news to me, spirits, or do you mark my doom? And that's what happens when God visits. You want to know, is this a good thing or is it not a good thing? Is it a frightful, dreadful thing? And that is why the words we considered last week are so important to us to understand this, which we won't go back into right now. But it's so important for then the angels to communicate clearly and immediately to the people to whom they are visiting, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because that kind of fear of judgment and fear of destruction was in fact what anybody would have in the presence of an angel. Don't be afraid because this visit of God is good news. Zechariah's song is an exposition, if you will, of why we shouldn't be afraid, of why this is such good news. This visit, this coming of God in the person of the Son that is about to be born to Mary is one of, and here I'm just going to say the words, I'm not even, even going to try and explain them all that are found in this song, but these are the words that the song uses to describe the nature of the visit of this one who is to come. It's a, it's a visit of redemption, of salvation, of fulfillment of the promises of God. It's a remembrance of the people. It's a deliverance, a revelatory visit. I'm going to show you what God is like. It's a forgiveness. It's a visit that contains within it the forgiveness of sins, light from darkness, life from death. It's a visit that culminates with the peace of God. He will guide our way, our feet, into the way of peace. This visit from God is, verse 72, the purpose of the visit, to show the mercy promised to our fathers. Why did Jesus come into the world? Jesus came into the world to show the mercy that was promised to our fathers. Verse 78, why did he come? because of the tender mercy of our God. Christmas is the gentle expression of the mercy of God coming into the world of darkness with the call of John the Baptist and then the call of the Son of God to come to him. The call of John and then the call of Jesus to repent, to turn to the Son and to find in him, in the Son of God, this kind of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the love, the light, the peace that belongs to God himself. 
That's the purpose of the visit. Jesus comes for the visit, and we know that when Jesus comes for this visit, particularly from the Magi, we know that Jesus is presented with gifts. Gifts are given to him. But he comes, of course, being and bearing gifts himself. He comes to offer himself to all who will receive him. And the gift that he gives to all who will receive him, the gift himself, is the right to become the children of God. What's the purpose of the visit? Well, the purpose of the visit is to give to a lost humanity, those who are called, the opportunity to respond in faith, to receive him, to rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered himself to us in the gospel and to be adopted into the family and into the household of God. This day of visitation, this visit, this knock on the door brings good news. And Acts 15, 14, which is on the front of your bulletin as well, shows just how far, how extensive this good news is. Simeon Peter has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. God visited the Gentiles. How did that take place? That, Peter's referring to something that took place after Jesus died. Well, God visited the Gentiles and visits the Gentiles and the Jews wherever his word is preached. Wherever the good news of the gospel is heralded, and the Spirit of God, the living Spirit, takes that living good news and applies it to the hearts of the people there, that is, for them, for you, for your friends, for your neighbors, that is the day of visitation. That is the time of the visitation when the living God takes the living word and allows us to hear it. The expected visit, the merciful visit, and the coming visit. As wonderful as is this visit of Jesus that took place at first in his incarnation, as wonderful as that was, is, we have this realization that all is not light and life in the world. All is not right in the world in which we live. All isn't peace and joy. There remains in the world so much pain, so much injustice, so much death, so much suffering, so much grief, that you kind of look at this and and you, you go, wait a minute. The Old Testament expectation, the Old Testament expectation, the song of Zechariah, and if we were to look back a few verses, the song of Mary as well, they seem to declare that more is going to take place than has actually taken place in this first coming of Jesus. And we want to say, why? What happens with that? The Bible recognizes that as well, and therefore the Bible begins to speak of not only this day of visitation, but in fact a coming day of visitation, another day when Jesus shall return. And that day of visitation is different than the first day of visitation. In that day of visitation, he comes with power, and he comes with glory, 
and he comes fully girded in all of his holiness and all of his faithfulness. It'll be more comprehensive than the first. The unbelieving and the wicked, the enemies in that day, will be judged. And we will look around and we will say, where are the unbelievers? Where are the wicked? Where are the oppressors? And we will not be able to find them, Psalm 37, because they will have been judged in that day of visitation. And the government, the government of peace and of righteousness and injustice of King Jesus will be fully established. And we in that day will be perfectly blessed in the full enjoyment of God to all eternity. A visit has taken place. It was a visit that is expected. And, brothers and sisters, another visit is expected. That has not yet taken place. And so the question becomes of divine visitation. Are you ready for the next day of visitation? Are you prepared for that? I told Tim... uh, last week, but I've probably told it to him, and I think I've told it to some of you before, that because they, Tim McKellen and the kids don't live too far away down in Baltimore, but we don't get to see them all the time. And in fact, I think it's almost been right two months, almost two months since we've seen them. Now, you get used to that. It's a painful thing, but you get used to it. But what happens when we know that they are coming, when we know they are coming, everything gets ready for that. Everything in us gets ready for that visitation. In fact, and parents won't be able to understand this because you're always with your kids, um, but grandparents, you will be able to understand this. There's a physical thing that takes place in our arms and in our hearts. There's a constriction that begins to take place, and there's only one thing that can satisfy it. It's the two littlest ones being in our arms. It's like our bodies are preparing for that particular visit, the joy of having them, the joy of seeing them. Oh, brothers and sisters, how do we anticipate the coming visit of the Lord Jesus Christ when we shall see him face to face, when we shall be with him and like him and these sins will be taken away from us? How do we long for that day? Does it constrict us, constrict our hearts to get there and to be with the Lord Jesus face to face? In the meantime, get your heart and your home ready for the visitation that is to come. How do you do that? Well, here's one way you can do it. Visit others. It is not too much to say that the preparation that we do is that of visitation as well. Visit widows and orphans and be with them. Visit the churches where the gospel has been established. Because we have been visited, we become those who visit others, those who come to the place of others and bless them, and we become those who host, those who are glad to have visitors in our place as well. 
that we might be a blessing to them, prepare, delight in the tender mercy of God in the visitation of the Son to earth. And we'll pray together as we sing in closing, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for visiting us in the person of your Son, in Jesus. We thank you for the tender mercy that you have shown to us. We pray that you would help us to reach out to you. We thank you for the grace, the working of your Holy Spirit by which we have received you. We pray for any here today who have not, who do not know the joy of life with you, that they would receive you as well, and that you would enter in and be born in them this day. We ask this, Jesus, in your great name. Amen.